It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk Podcast. It is currently 2:08 p.m. Wednesday, March 17th, Eastern Standard Time. All that. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. You know who it is. Today, we're also blessed to have an opportunity to host the man behind the best highlight page on Instagram and the only man covering the G League, founder of G League TV, our good buddy, Jeff Key. Jeff, how are you doing, my man? I'm pretty good. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. It's truly an honor. You're, having you on is the honor, man. Yeah. For everyone who doesn't know, G League TV is literally the only page on Instagram covering the G League. It is run by one man, and he is just amazing at his job. It's not even just good for people who want to watch highlights, which, by the way, it is amazing because the G League is just a highlight factory. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But he's also putting on these players. He's, he's selling every single post. Not only is he posting highlights, he's selling the players to NBA teams. You can you can go and look at any post, and he'll explain. He gives breakdowns. He does every. It's It's – it's hmm. truly an art form. Jeff, what you're doing truly is an art form to me. I appreciate that. Thank you. So let's start with some, let's start with quick. First, uh, tell everyone, you know, how you, how you, you got started with G League TV, what you were doing before, yeah. what you're doing now. Like, give everyone the Jeff Key story. Yeah, so um, I first started getting into the G League around, back when it was the D League around 2015 or so. Mm-hmm. And back in 2015, there I cannot name... Um, one other of my friends or whoever that followed the G League. You know, it was a really low publicized league, tons of talent nonetheless, um, but they didn't get too much exposure. And, and you know, you never saw the games on TV at the time. The games were streamed on YouTube. And, you know, every once in a while there was one on NBA TV, but there was just mm-hmm. not too much hype around the league at the time. And, you know, back then, and it was even worse before, the G League was considered one of these leagues where it was like really – you know, where older players went to play their last years. And they were, you know, if you're an mm-hmm. older player, like a, whether it was like a Nate Robinson or a Mecca before they were kind of, you know, people viewed him as washed up per se, you know, yeah, and yeah. the younger guys, people viewed him as like, Oh, they're just second tier type of talents. But, you know, over the past six years, the league has really evolved where, you know, these older guys that are playing in the G league, they're not viewed as necessarily washed up anymore. They're viewed as guys that can still contribute on NBA teams. Mm-hmm. And then the younger guys, a lot of them are viewed in a more positive light now where they're not seen as um, B tier or C tier. They're kind of seen as the on the cusp of making the NBA, you know, whether it's a two-way deal, whether it's a 10-day, they're just right on the border of taking that next step. But yeah, I started getting into it around then. And I, you know, I live about an hour away from Delaware. And so I used to go to Delaware 87ers games all the time. I'm actually <laughs> rocking a, a Delaware 87ers jersey right now. For my, yes, more, sir, yes, for my man, Stead Lemon. So shout out to Stead. But, uh, uh, you know, and so I, I really fell in love with it then. I, of course, I watched the NBA a ton. I followed the NBA religiously. But something about this smaller league that wasn't getting much publicity, I don't know. I just kind of fell in love with the fact that, um, especially back then, it was unique to be a G League fan, mm-hmm. you know, whereas uh, everyone was kind of just a G, uh, an NBA or college basketball fan. It was kind of just uh, something to separate myself you know, following the G League. But I started the page last April. So it's been about 11 months. Mm. And uh, I started it, you know, probably within a couple weeks of quarantine happening. Uh, My whole goal was just to gain a couple thousand followers and, you know, maybe make some highlight tapes for these players. It wasn't really, um, you know, I didn't really think of it as something that was going to take off or really uh, 
uh, gained thousands of followers. I was like, you know, if I can get a couple thousand, because I had run other basketball pages before, and mm. it had probably maxed out at like, you know, one one was a UMBC because I work for the UMBC team. Mm-hmm. The one was like a UMBC archive highlight page, and it's a small niche community, so it got a you know a couple hundred followers and stuff like that. And uh, so I was, you know, if I had got a couple thousand on this page, I would have been, would have been happy. But um, I've, you know, for the last 11 months or so, I've tried to use it as a platform to get these players exposure because there is a ton of talent mm. um, in the G League that kind of, even still to this day, even though the G League has done a good job of uh, publicizing these guys, they still don't get that much recognition. You know, most fans are really just paid attention to the stars in the NBA. So, you know, it's been a really good 11 months. I've been able to grow it to around like 32,000 followers or so. And my my whole, you know, goal and objective is to really just put these guys out there and help them get maybe a next you know, another contract, whether it's in the NBA, hopefully, or overseas. And then to expose the fan, mm-hmm. the average fan to these guys and just to get them to know how much talent there is just kind of hiding in the G League at this time. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know about Chaz. I know I'm a massive fan of the G League TV. I actually, I actually would for a little while. I didn't follow the page because I loved that it would show up all in my explore page, and I'd get like three random <laughs> highlights a day. I loved oh, it yeah, so yeah. much. It was right. it was awesome. Like in, in a way, you kind of played the explore algorithm so well. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I I like everything. I I post like everything you post. I'm a huge fan of the G League TV thing. And but you're also the only one promoting it. You're you're the only right. one promoting it. And so I'm wondering, is there do you have a tie to the NBA? Has the NBA reached out to you? Have you reached out to the NBA? Is there any communication on that front? You know, not so much from their end, uh, but a little bit from my end because I am trying to just promote the page and promote myself as much as possible, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and so my whole thing is the G League does the G League account doesn't follow my page right and so my Wait, whole there's a g league account that get... isn't your page say it again there's a g league account that isn't your page right right <laughs> the main account they don't follow my page and they've never liked a post or commented <laughs> or anything right so my whole goal is like i'm just waiting for the day where they just show some type of love or that they've noticed the account you know mm-hmm. and uh so from their end i haven't gotten much i mean i do the good thing about the page is that i do talk to a lot of people within the g league and a lot of whether they're you know, of course, the players, but coaches, executives, um, people, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're in their marketing or sales or, you know, whoever, a lot of them follow the account. So I do have really consistent contact with these people. Um, but there hasn't been too much discussion on either end or any discussion on either end about maybe like working together. I would love to be like the official highlight page of the G League, you know, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, it's G League affiliated and, I can just produce as much content you know, as, as possible because I think the whole goal with the page is to put out and expose the players that are averaging like, you know, even 15 points a game. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, whether it's the NBA or the G League, those guys who average 15 are still really good players, but they don't get much exposure. You know, it's always the guys that are averaging 25 plus, which is totally understandable. And then there's the superstars that everyone cares about, like, you know, mm-hmm. for example, everyone loves to see the Kevin Porter Jr. highlights, right? Everyone loves to see the Jamie Lynn highlights. So by default, you know, we have to, I have to, I have to post those. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would love to work with the G League on getting those guys exposure too, but helping get, you know, the guy that, that's averaging 12 and 10, you know, that doesn't really get much love. Or the guy who's averaging maybe, you know, there's a couple guys in the league that average, you know, eight points, eight assists, right? But mm-hmm. you don't really see them on any highlight page, just the way that no you wouldn't see, like, about assists. like, 
right, right. sleeps on these assists. But. Exactly. You know, like Andre, yeah. I was thinking about the other day, like Andre Miller was a guy that in his NBA career probably had, you know, 15,000 points and like 8,000 assists, right? Mm -hmm. But he was mm -hmm. a guy that we just never talk about because he was never flashy and was never like a big name per se, you know? So mm -hmm. the whole, per, you know, objective is to get those guys in the G League, the, um, the exposure, and then hopefully in the future, I'll be able to work with the G League on doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, so is the end goal is the end goal to become affiliated with the G League? Do you want to move into the NBA too? What 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 would be the end goal for you from this G League TV project? You know, I would love to work for the for the G League in like any capacity. Tell you the truth, you know, I always say, <clears throat> even when I first started uh, following them in 2015, like if they needed a guy that would fill Gatorade bottles, I would do it. You know, I just love <laughs> the G League so much, and I love being around it, and. Um, it's such a part of like my life now, you know, mm -hmm. and has been over the past few years that I would just be honored to do anything within the G League. But as far as the page goes, um, you know, if if they ever needed help doing like social media stuff or marketing stuff, because there's other ideas that I have, you know, for the page and also for exposing the league that I would love to communicate with people within the league itself. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully that, you know, takes off in the future. Um, but, you know, my main goal right now is just to build the page as much as possible, you know, and and I have around 32,000 right now. So my next goal is just to get like 40,000, you know, and then after 40,000, mm -hmm. 50,000. But um, the good thing is that it's only been 11 months, you know, so I'm pretty optimistic that in a few years uh, it'll be, you know, it'll continue to grow. And then hopefully I'll have something there. And if I ever get an interview in the G League or whatever, I'll have a good selling point for myself as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. it'll definitely be a lot easier for you once there's a real G League season and not just like a three week uh, yes, bubble. Right, right. That was that was the thing for me, too, is like the season was just so short. Mm -hmm. you know, 15 games. I couldn't really work with that much. And and it was, you know, I understand it costs a lot of money for these teams to have the G, their G League teams in the bubble mm -hmm. and to feed them and and to, um, you know, house them in these really nice Disney hotels and stuff like that. But 15 games is hard to work with because, you know, usually for a regular player, uh, the G League has so much turnaround where it's like a player's here and then they, they're doing really well and then they get called up or a player's doing really well and sometimes they'll go overseas, you know, for some, uh, some mm -hmm. quick, easy money. But this year, there wasn't too much of that. It's like the players, a lot of the players who were glued on the bench never got an opportunity to shine. And mm -hmm. then... Um, and so, you know, from a player's perspective, I would love to have seen, they probably would have appreciated 25 games, you know, mm. and then on my end, I would need, you know, I would appreciate as much content as possible, you know, so 25 games would have been, you know, uh, 10 more games added on to the 15 game schedule would have been great for me in terms of like just putting out more game content. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, and it's surprising that no one even like Bleacher Report or, or any of these other apps that share highlights or work with NBA or other sports divisions have contacted you just because when you have such a, it seems like a monopoly on G League content at this point, you seem to be the, the guy to go to for anything, anytime G League. Have you not, is there any other pages that have reached out to you where you could get to before the NBA, like it's a stepping stone to try to get your name out there a little bit more? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, I've been thinking about it over the last couple of weeks or so, especially as the, you know, since the season ended mm -hmm. and I was I was thinking, you know, Slam is a magazine that I think has gotten on board with things before they've gotten hot. Like so, so mm -hmm. they started um, like Slam High School Hoops and yeah. years ago, and then they had uh, W Slam, which is on the woman's side. Mm -hmm. um, they started League Fits, which is you know before yeah. anybody cared about 
what players were wearing. They were, you know, they had their Instagram page and it's, it's been huge. You know, I was wondering, I, I wanted to reach out to them and I, and I will reach out to them about partnering somehow. And, you know, this is the new wave of basketball where, you know, it might not be huge now, but give it a couple of years and, you know, more players of, of, mm-hmm. of high status continue to join the league. Um, and so, yeah, you know, in terms of like, whether it's slam bleach report, um, what are some other ones? House of highlights, you know? Yeah. I, I would love to partner and work with any of them uh, just depending on the situation and, you know, how we can both benefit kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to rush it too much because it has been only uh, 11 months, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm totally fine doing it on my own. And I like doing it on my own. I'd like having, like, the creative control over all the content, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and But you know, I'd be open to pretty much anything regarding that. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but you've gotten a lot of love from especially former G League guys, but also former former league guys. Uh, a, a personal friend and mentor of mine, Rashad yes. Phillips, is actually yeah. the one who put me on. You posted a mixtape of Rashad Phillips, I want to say a couple months ago, and he he posted yeah. it. He was so yeah. he was so happy with it. He's like, everyone needs to follow this page, and I was like, well, I can't not follow this page now. Like, this is, <laughs> and like, I mean, I, I take Rashad. You know, Rashad Rashad's Rashad, word is my yeah. Bible. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Rashad's a great guy. He and I have talked a bunch uh, through Instagram DM and stuff like that. And actually, I, I most recently reached out to Rashad uh, maybe a couple weeks ago because I found an old picture of um, Roy Jones Jr. Oh, and I was looking, I was just on Getty Images. And I, you know, on Getty Image, you, you can filter the pictures depending on like, you know, the newest or the oldest. So I just typed in NBDL, which was before the D League, it was the NBDL. Mm-hmm. And typed in NBDL on Getty Images selected oldest images and was just going through all these pictures from 2001 2002 and you know me being kind of a history buff of basketball whether it's the nba or college basketball or you know now the g league um it was just really cool seeing all these guys that were nba stars in some sense that played in the g league like like, you know Mm -hmm. uh, josh howard played for Mm -hmm. the austin back when they were the austin toros he played with them back in like 2012 you guys remember ricky davis he played for the celtics played for the Cavs. yeah he played for the bayhawks back in 2013 and so uh jamal tinsley he was a really good point guard for the pacers he played for the la defenders so i was seeing all these pictures and headshots and i was like oh my god you know seeing some of the stuff was so cool (laughs) but i did see one that really stuck out and that was um, it was Roy Jones Jr. in in a in a D League uniform from 2001, and I looked it up on Google because I'd never known about that. And I looked up on Google, and there was no information about it. There was no articles, whatever. But Rashad Phillips was also on that team in 2001. It was mobile. <laughs> he was on that team in 2001, and I and I just messaged him. I was like, "Was Roy Jones Jr. your teammate?" And then he goes. Sort of. He was there for the training camp, and but he didn't make the actual roster or whatever. And I was like, that's still so cool. And there was that's pictures so of him funny. in the G League jerseys, you know, in the, in the NBDL mm-hmm. jerseys. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. But yeah, Rashad was actually the first point guard ever drafted in the D League. And he was the same. He was in the same 2001 draft as Birdman Anderson. Wow. And so if you look at some of those pictures from the draft, Rashad's there and he's uh, holding up his, uh, he got drafted and they had him holding up uh, a shooting shirt his like draft day shooting shirt and mm-hmm. then he's in that picture with Birdman Anderson it was so funny because back in 2001 the the D-League had no credibility right and mm-hmm. so Birdman came in came into he was the number one pick in the draft he came into the draft wearing a Hawaiian shirt and jeans so who comes to the draft wearing a Hawaiian shirt and jeans you know and, uh. and uh 
but yeah, he's been he's been really good. But you know, like you were saying before, it's been really cool for me to see the players share because that's what means the most is like that the players appreciate it whether mm-hmm. it's the players themselves that the video is actually about or their teammates or whatever and you know um i don't really follow that many nba players through the page mm-hmm. um i do on my personal account but not through the page and so i miss a lot of people's stories and and posts and stuff like that but the good thing is i have a, a lot of the followers will send me stuff as the players post it. So uh, mm-hmm. Bradley Beal has posted two times uh, or posted so on the story a couple of times. LaMelo Ball has posted on the story three times. He's reposted mm. the videos. Uh, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, some some really like interesting NBA players fall like Kendrick Perkins randomly follows the <laughs> oh, account. Oh yeah, no, Kendrick <laughs> Perkins loves that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then Perk also played in the G League too. Oh, back in the For the Canton Charge back in like 2018. And then he got called oh, up by the Cavs and was on their... Uh, their NBA finals roster towards the end of the season. I but, forgot about that. I forgot yeah, about his brief stint to the G yeah. back then. So Perk follows, uh, Baron Davis follows, Duncan mm. Robinson. I mean, all, the Baron Davis played in the G League too. He played for the uh, the Delaware 87ers. And Duncan, you know, he mm-hmm. was a star a couple years ago for the Sky Force. And so, um, but yeah, it's been pretty cool. Tyler Hero shared a few times, you know. So seeing the, so the cool. megastars, you know, mm-hmm. share it is, all, is always really cool. Because I always figure they're like, you know, they're always – sent a million posts you know and they're tagged in a million things so if they mm-hmm. see it you know it's it's uh it's an honor that they'd share it. they think it's cool enough to share in their story that's that's yeah, yeah. no that's, that's so amazing. cool <laughs> i don't really have a word i just like wow and the, the the coolest thing for me is that uh a couple months ago and i wore it for a podcast i was on a couple of days ago so i actually switched jerseys i'm wearing my man stead lemon's jersey right now but uh rafael putney who played for the iowa wolves this year and he's the all-time leading uh, shot shot blocker mm-hmm. in G League history. He actually sent me his Bayhawks jersey, and wow. he mailed it to me. So yeah, and so it was like really cool to get. You know, he's the all-time leader in in you know uh, mm-hmm. blocks in G League history. So it was really cool that he signed the jersey and then sent it to me. And you know, he he offered it. It was something that it wasn't. I didn't uh, DM him asking for the jersey. It was kind of <laughs> he was like as a gesture, as a thank you. So he and I have become really cool. So yeah, the relationships I have with the players now is, is pretty awesome. That's that's so cool that's that's so cool Mm -hmm. um and i mean i mean i've i've seen your instagram you're tight with all the players you did tbt and you had i mean you took basically were taking pictures with everybody (laughs) like you (laughs) right you've kind of built yourself into this whole basketball like into the culture like i i don't gonna say it again nba just hire this man come on Um, that that is the dream that is but you know through tbt i've actually been uh able to meet a lot of cool players like i met joe johnson and uh this past summer, we were in the TBT bubble for five weeks, and Joe just couldn't have been the nicer, nicest guy. He was just fantastic to work with and mm-hmm. a really humble dude. And this is a guy who made seven all-star games, made 100-plus yeah. million dollars in his career, has 20,000 points. And he just was like a you know regular guy, you know, acts like a regular guy. Um, mm-hmm. It was super nice and respectful. You know, it was great seeing Joe Johnson. But, yeah, I've been able to meet quite a few players, but um, it's kind of weird that, I value meeting the, the G League players over the NBA players. You know, like if someone was like, I can meet Trey Young or I can meet like, uh, who's a really cool G League player? Like Kevin Porter? I don't know. I might just meet Kevin Porter. You know, like <laughs> something about him having the G League experience would, mm-hmm. would mean more to me, you know, meeting him. Also, I just got to say, just because you mentioned him, Kevin Porter, I would directly, I would directly give you credit 
before putting him on like direct directly if people were like why is kevin porter now so big on the on the directly it would be because you posted every time he had a good game and now you're posting when he has good games in the nba like directly i think there's a correlation between your posts about him and the outlook on him i just want to say i want to say that because that's been on my head for a long time i'm like looking at these i'm like this would be nothing it would be he would be he would really not have this nice perception about him if it wasn't for g league tv yeah you know it's uh for, with Kevin, it was almost like a given that I had to post every time he had a good game, you know, mm-hmm. because there were even a couple games where he didn't really play all that well. He might have had 15 points. So, you know, if he has 15, for a guy that's probably expected to score 25, I wouldn't post mm-hmm. the 15 points per game, um, the 15 mm-hmm. point games. But mm-hmm. even when he had a bad game, people would always comment, like, post Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter. <laughs> so I would, over time, I was like, I guess they just love Kevin Porter, you know, <laughs> they would, even if he didn't play all that well. You know, and and I will say this, Kevin had he's probably going to be the MVP this year. I think there's no doubt about it. Um, mm-hmm. And he just sometimes made it look so easy. You know, he was there was no doubt in my yeah. mind that he was going to be a really good NBA player. I mean, he played really well in the Cavs last year to begin mm-hmm. with. He averaged double figures with the Cavs, but there was no doubt in anyone's mind that this guy wasn't. You know, if if he can get all the off court things situated that he wasn't going to be a really really good player you know but yeah the fans really loved him same with Jimmy Lynn they loved uh Jimmy Lynn and the cool the cool thing that I always thought about Kevin Porter was that whenever I would post a video about him he would never share the video about him but as soon as I posted a video about his teammates he would always share the video about his teammates right yeah so Kevin he really uh it, the thing cool thing about him is that he shares um every post about him he won't share but any post about his teammates, he'll share and he'll comment, right? And so I always thought that was really cool because you know there was all these misconceptions maybe about Kevin, who he is as a person, and you know if he has um, discipline issues or whatever. But everything that I heard about Kevin was that he was a great teammate in the bubble, and with him sharing his teammates' videos and you know because he has a big platform himself, he probably has a couple hundred thousand followers. Mm-hmm. Him resharing these videos about his teammates. Um, gets them ton of exposure too, you know. And so I always thought that was really cool and a pretty, uh, a pretty noble thing of him to do. Yeah, I mean, we'll be the first ones to say that we were all about Kevin Porter getting a new, getting to a new spot and proving how good he is as an NBA player. So to get that time in the G League, both me and John were saying we're we're super excited for him. We know he's going to do great, and it's just to right. get that fresh start and be able to sh- go show his skills and and be that guy for a little bit. It, shows how great he is and that you were able to put him on and show how great he has been and made his teammates better. It's incredible to watch that the rise of the Houston Rockets G league team while their NBA team can't win a single game. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, Kevin Porter, he was great. Him being in the G league was great on everybody's end. It was great for the G league Mm -hmm. because, you know, rarely do they have a high profile player like that. I know Lynn was also, you know, Lynn also played this year, but Kevin Porter, where he's, a budding superstar, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody views him in that light. Like, you know, he had discipline issues in high school, um, you know, in college as well. And that's why he slipped in the draft. But, you know, there were a lot of people that were like, this guy is a top 10 pick or in a top five talent, you know, if mm-hmm. he can get all the, uh, the the disciplinary issues sorted. And so, you know, it's really kind of a consensus view that, yeah, this guy has a chance of being a 20 points per game plus player in the NBA. But it was great for the G League because they had him and he, you know, they were able to feed off of the publicity that he gave them. But mm-hmm. it was also good for Kevin. You know, maybe it was a bit of a humbling experience for him 
to have to go down to the G League. You know, I know Kevin doesn't view himself in that light. He thinks of himself probably in the highest light that he can go in the NBA <laughs> on any given night and score 20, you know? I mean, and so, has been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's been a great thing on his end because, you know, you go to the G League, hey, you're playing with 14 other guys who are dying to be in the same spot that you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, 14 other guys who would love to be Kevin Porter on the Rockets, um, Kevin Porter on the Cavs, right? And so he really was around guys who were not taking um, their place in professional basketball lightly. You know, like when yeah. I talked to G League guys, I mean, that's why this, you know, the, the NBA guys and the G League guys, there was no chatter about from the, the G League guys about, you know, the bubble not feeding them well or the rooms not being as nice or whatever, <laughs> right? But we heard that a lot in the NBA. You know, these G League guys are just here to ball, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, whether I'm sure, like I said before, they'd appreciate a longer season, more than 15 games. But trust me when I say that those guys were looking and being like, okay, it's 15 games for me to prove myself, right? Mm-hmm. And so Kevin Porter for an entire season, for the most part, had to play with these, you know, these dogs, right? He had to compete mm-hmm. every night against guys who were just starving for an NBA opportunity, you know? And so it probably put things in more perspective for him that, you know, I'm in a great situation being on the Rockets. Um, and then last year when he was on the Cavs and I need to do maybe a little bit better job of maintaining my professionalism and then not taking my opportunity here for granted. Yeah. Uh, I think this actually leads to a really good transition to the next thing I want to talk about, which is the G league ignite guys. Yeah. And I just want to like the first, I think that anytime we want to talk about G league ignite, the first thing we need to say is the competition they face every night is at least 10 times better than anything in the NCAA. Almost every player that any of these G League Ignite guys have to guard on a given night would be the strongest, would be the hardest guy Absolutely. That, yep. that Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, or Evan Mobley has to guard. Right. Like, mm. Every single night. These these G League guys, none of them are taking it for granted. None of them are taking any moment on the court for granted. They don't right. care that you're some 19-year-old kid trying to guard them. They're like, all right, I've got the, ch- <laughs> I've got the child on me. I'm going to go get 30. Yes, oh my God, Jalen Green yeah. guarding me. He has no shoulders. I'm gonna grow right through him. And I mean, the G League guys still—they still held their own, especially on the defensive end. Kuminga's defense really, really impressed me. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to point that out anytime you want to talk about the G League Ignite guys. Just how much harder they went, how much harder yeah. they went, and not only that the G League, the other G League players worked so hard, but that almost everyone that's actually playing in the G League was all conference, was all or All-American, or all this, all that, all of them were these top college players now on a team against four guys that would be freshmen in college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I want to talk about the main four, their top four prospects, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga, Daisha Nix, and Isaiah Todd. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you first. Would you rather start with Jalen Green, probably their best player, or Jonathan Kuminga, possibly their best prospect? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll start with Jalen just because um, there was so much hype around Jalen. And mm-hmm. Jalen has, like, the cool factor, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> where, yeah. where you know, it's, one thing to be a, it's one thing to be a baller, right? There's tons mm-hmm. of ballers who just who just play and can score 20 points. But there's something about Jalen Green, even – okay, first on the court. On the court, I mean, he's an athletic freak, right? But he's so <laughs> supremely talented. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's – I, I love Alizé Johnson on the t- Raptors on a five, but he had this insane <laughs> crossover. He missed the shot. It's insane crossover on a, uh, Alizé Johnson. Um, he just he threw down dunk after dunk this season, and I and those mm-hmm. make the highlights for sure. But he is a really well-rounded player. And the thing is that he's 19 years old. You know, that's the yeah. thing. That it's easy to forget is like he's a kid. 
and he's playing against and that, and that goes with you know the rest of the the young and night players is that they're really kids and they're out here playing against grown men who mm. are coming for their necks every game you know i mean if i was a veteran player i would look at these ignite guys and be like look at these like young <laughs> you know like when the older guy they always look at the the, the younger guys as like these young punks or whatever right yeah. like oh look at you know like if you're working with the, an old an older guy he probably views you as like oh look at that young kid think he knows everything thinks he's mm -hmm. all hot right and i bet you that a lot of the veterans on these on these g league teams probably thought the same way like oh you know he's this number one ranked player this five-star recruit mcdonald's all-american whatever but you know this is my chance to shine right mm -hmm. and it, you know all the ignite games for the most part were streamed on espn plus because they wanted most people to see them or and a lot of them were on ESPN too as well. Yeah. And so they were probably thinking the veterans were like, hey, and this game is on national television. Like if anything, it's my coming out party too. It's not, you know, I don't care about Jalen Green. I don't care about Jonathan Kaminga, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, but back to what I was saying before, Jalen Green just has the cool factor. Like if you go on his Instagram, you know, he's really into like, you know, all this really cool clothing and his style is up to date and he always, always wearing like, rocking the cool colors and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. And and then when he, he's on the court, he just has like the supreme confidence at 19 years old to just go at people's neck. You know, he was averaging you know, towards the end of the season, 20 plus on most nights, you know? Yeah. And really when the G League Ignite team, it's weird because when the G League Ignite team was doing well in the beginning, he hadn't really found his footing yet. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, he's really not all that good. In this first game against Santa Cruz Warriors, he wasn't really all that good. But towards mm -hmm. the end of the season, when Kaminga went down and he was kind of the, as, as far as the younger guys go, he was like their main option. I mean, mm -hmm. really saw him take more of a leadership role, at least on the court, you know, and, and in situations demanding the ball in situations, taking um, shots in the final minutes when the game is close, you know, mm -hmm. and you just don't see it. Um, you just don't really see it among young players like that. Granted too, there are veterans on the team, you know, like, I'm sure if Jalen Green wasn't comfortable taking the shot, he could have passed it to one of the vets yeah. on the team, whether it was, like, you know, an Amir Johnson or a Cody Demps or, you know, um, or... Um, or Jared Jack, who was Or Michael Jared Jack, Jordan. right. He only, yeah. only played, like, Michael Jordan, like, eight times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and so it's, it's, it was really cool to me to see this young guy who's definitely going to be, you know, a stud in the NBA um, at 19 take on a leadership role in that sense, you know, in the final minutes of games despite having other veterans on the court who probably have taken those shots, you know, a million times in their career, you know, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. not, you're right. Maybe not actually like Amir Johnson and Jared Jack taking those type of shots, but they're more comfortable taking those shots. They probably had like the Chris Pauls or, you mm -hmm. know, the, the other stars they played with on their NBA teams, take those shots, but they've been in those situations before. Um, and, you know, my favorite player, um, I like Kaminga a lot and mm -hmm. I like, you know, I love Jalen green. My favorite player on that ignite team, as far as the young guys, my favorite two were Isaiah Todd and Dacia Nix. Well, I loved, and, I, I loved them both. I'm yeah, with you. Lo love them both, and you know, both those guys fell, you know, flew under the radar a little bit because everything was about Kaminga and Green, which is totally understandable. But Dacia Nix is, you know, he's huge for a point guard. He's like six yeah. five, two thirty. You know, he's really he's like like a linebacker. <laughs> he's built like a linebacker, you know. And and I remember everyone was like, "This guy's a point guard. Like he's he has the body of a power forward." Yeah, you know, and and but he is so poised, and again, 19 years old, you know, 19 years old, and he's not the quickest, and he's, I don't even know if he can dunk. He's very, he's not very athletic, but he just plays with so much confidence and so much, um, 
it was confidence, poise, and you know he's like almost a veteran at 19 years old. The way that he plays, and I know I mentioned Andre Miller before. A lot of people have compared him to Andre. You know, in terms of like the lack of athleticism, the lack of speed, but just a strong understanding of the game and super crafty. You know, um, but I love him, and I think that he's going to be. You know, he's projected to go in the second round this yeah, year, and I think that's low. probably about accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's no doubt in my mind that in a couple years, he can be a serviceable NBA player. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then Isaiah Todd was one of my favorites too, because, you know, Isaiah, his, his offensive arsenal is just super crafty, mm. you know, and, and like, he's not a guy that's um, going to get much hype over, you know, over guys like Kaminga and Green, but, you know, he would come in and score, you know, 10 points in 15 minutes mm-hmm. off the bench, you know, um, yeah. he's been compared to like Chris Bosh, even though I don't really necessarily see the Chris Bosh, comparison as much he's been a, a guy that who asked a lot of nba scouts who's a player that the most resemble they'd say chris bosh but yeah 610 and deep range he could probably extend out to you know 25 30 feet or so and um just a really really crafty offensive arsenal especially when he goes one-on-one is able to back you down he can't like these one-legged fadeaways that kind of remind you of dirk you mm-hmm. know and and he's projected to also be in like the late first round early second round type of thing. But he, there's no doubt in my mind that in a couple of years, he's also going to be a really good NBA player too. Yeah. Without a doubt, Isaiah Todd is probably the most polarizing player on that of their yeah. big four. I, yeah. I've <laughs> seen him. I have seen him as an outside lottery pick on some drafts and I've seen him like way out of the second round on others. Yeah. I don't think there's any more player that's been polarizing than Todd, but in the end of the day, uh, what I always tell people is you look at the physical tools and I mean, Chris Bosch is a ceiling, yeah, but like, you know, I can see the steps that it would take. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, oh, oh, I just wanted to uh, bring up one point that I was—it was just on my head. Um, I have to, you know, when you talk about the Ignite team, you talk about, of course, the young guys, right? And then there's the veterans. But Brian Shaw was the, is their coach, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually think that he had the hardest job in the G League this year. Oh yeah. Oh. And the reason why is because you're trying to maintain so many egos and make so many people happy, you know? With the Ignite team, you have all these young guys, mm-hmm. and that's what the Ignite team was built for. It was built for these young guys, right? Um, and it was built for them to have this platform to shine. And then you have the veterans, and don't get me wrong, the veterans are kind of – a bunch of them are still at the, are at the tail end of their careers, whether it's Amir Johnson or Jared Jack or like a Reggie Hearn or whatever. But there's a couple of them that were still really aching, in my opinion, to get to the NBA, whether it was Jesse Govan or Dante Hall or mm. Cody Demps, you know? And so, or, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if like Jared Jack would want one more shot in the NBA, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if someone took a shot on Jared Jack. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he right, outstanding. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so for me, Brian Shaw had a hard job because it's like the Ignite team is built for these young guys. But at the same time, he has all these vets on the team who have made, you know, hundred plus million dollars in the NBA, right. Mm -hmm. That have um, needs that they need to be met. that need to be met as well. You know, they want to play as well. You know, they're not there just to ride the bench and mentor, you know, Mm -hmm. it's always hard when, you know, you have, for me, there was kind of like conflicting interests. I wonder how he was, I think he did a good job handling it. I think the overall Ignite season was pretty good. I mean, they lost in the first round of the playoffs, but there was a lot of people that thought, oh no, these young guys are not going to be able to compete. They're not going to be ready to go against, um, you know, a lot of these G-leaguers, even though it's the, you know, the G-league, the G-league 
nowadays is as talented as it's ever been, you know? And so mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, I don't think it's going to work, you know? And I bet you a lot of people within the, the G League itself were like, oh, what if this team goes, you know, uh, two and 13, right? What if this team like wins five games? Then everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, it was a total failure, whatever, you know? And so I think having, um, they, were, they went eight and seven this year, you know, having a winning record and making the playoffs. It just bodes well for the future, and I think in a couple of years, as as long as they continue to get, um, you know, more of the top tier talents that are in high school basketball, they'll not only grow as a team and hopefully maybe one day compete for a championship, but they'll grow the league exponentially too. Mm. Uh, I want to circle back really quick to Jonathan Kuminga because yeah, I think we yeah. didn't get a big dive on him, and then just I mean Kuminga, he was originally considered Kate Cunningham's biggest competitor for number one overall mm-hmm. he still might go number two um i think he would have locked it up if he could have shot from three a little better that's pretty much everyone everyone's been saying mm-hmm. he could go anywhere from two to five just because this is the most top like deep and top heavy draft of all this could go down as one of the best drafts of all time in my opinion yeah yeah mm-hmm. listed as six six but it, i mean if he's six six then jalen green has to be like six one kuminga's a, a <laughs> tank 210 pounds looks more than that also massive wingspan yeah i i've seen him compared to no one has really been able to nail down a comparison i have seen pascal siakam sean marion jalen brown Kawhi leonard all these i I think we should just talk about him a bit i mean he projects to be a crazy multi-tool defender but right no no one knows the g league better than you how about you 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 know sell him a bit you know like yeah kaminga i mean he he has every player that you just mentioned. He has a bit of them in his game, you know. And he's mm-hmm. a guy that's just a dog. Like, um, not saying that Jalen Green isn't. Jalen Green's also a dog. But I look at Kaminga. Kaminga always had like a scowl on his face, you know. He just looked, <laughs> yeah. always looked mad. And and that was in on the court. And that was in you know post game conferences too. They would I would always you know listen into their uh, post game press conferences and. Kaminga never had a smile on his face, you know, even after a win. And I was like, man, either, you know, it could have been um, just the fact that he may be a little bit reserved or whatever. It doesn't show much emotion. Or it could just be that he is like, especially after a loss. I mean, he was just looking like, you know, the way that Kobe would look after a loss. I could see Mm -hmm. that same fire in his eyes. But yeah, he is so multidimensional. He can play um, anywhere from like the two and then maybe some situation you could put him at the four, right? two through four and you know extremely athletic um unbelievable at the defensive end and he's Mm going to be a guy that um is going to be in my opinion an all nba player in maybe five years or so an all defensive (laughs) player in five years you know Mm -hmm. and the way that we look at Kawhi, like oh yeah he can get it done on both ends he can guard the best player um i think we'll look at kaminga the same way you know and 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 like i said before you know he's just so young that it's amazing to see, like, you know, these guys at this age of 19, they're already so good and so developed. You know, I can't imagine you give Jonathan Kaminga, you know, four more years training against NBA players, mm-hmm. um, how good that he's going to be. Same with Jalen Green. You know, you just give them the opportunity to maybe develop into their bodies a little more, understand the game a little more, you know, and these guys are going to be absolute studs. Mm. One thing that I think has been weird with I've been following pre-draft coverage. I'm always I am a pre-draft nerd. That is okay. That is where I was pre pre-draft trade deadline free agency. Those are where <laughs> I became the nerd. Those are what inspired this whole podcast. <laughs> I don't think any prospect has been picked apart harder than Jonathan Kuminga and Jalen Green. I don't think any prospects getting a more unfair shake 
than those two, especially at the top of the draft. Like, mm. but Kuminga stepped in and was running the offense. I mean, that that first that first game was where I looked at it and I, I texted Chaz. I said, "Cade Cunningham might not go first overall." <laughs> the way that, uh, and I mean, then Cade Cunningham dropped forty, and I was like, "Okay, we're gonna have to back that statement up." Right. But mm-hmm. the way that Kuminga can run an offense at his size, the way that Kuminga is. He, he's basically a point forward and a point guard and and any position you want on defense. He's mm-hmm. he's just this ultimate type of type of prospect. And Jalen Green, I mean, the, people are like, oh, will he be able to score in the league, dude? G leaguers are some G leaguers are amazing defenders. Uh, some of the best defenders in the G League, I would say, rival NBA defenders. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where these right. questions right. are coming from. I, I see these two as like way too picked apart i don't know if you've been getting the same vibes i mean you, yeah, you again know, you know better than anyone yeah you know that that is true i think it's because they decided to take this uh unconventional path you know a lot of it is because they were really the first two um and then also dish nicks and isaiah todd but those were the mm-hmm. first two like headliners that took this path to where we're going to skip college and and you know join the ignite team so i wonder if it's like people just picking them apart because they're thinking like you know, whenever someone does something that's uh, non-traditional, you know, mm-hmm. people tend to criticize him more. Whether it was like when Brandon Jennings went over, was it Italy they went over to, uh, or Rome or something like that? Greece, Greece, yeah, something like that. But when Brandon Jennings went over, um, mm-hmm. there was a ton of criticism because he was over there playing against grown men and he didn't really play all that well. And so everyone's like, "Oh, is he even that good of a player?" But then he still ended up getting picked in the lottery by the by the Bucks and had that crazy rookie season. And mm-hmm. then like when Lamelo went overseas. And he wasn't playing all that well. And everyone was like, oh, that league is a bunch of bums, you know? And and then everyone, you know, like, so when you take routes like that, they're just going to pick it apart and and criticize you unnecessarily, you know? But, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the thing is that they, these guys are really trendsetters. I think they don't really realize how, uh, how monumental them joining the Ignite team could be for other high school players, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as, a, as kind of like a development system for these guys to be like, you know what, I don't – agree with the college mold and you know if i want to they could could get paid up to five hundred thousand dollars this year and mm-hmm. not all the young prospects were getting you know 500k but kaminga and um jalen did you know and so if i'm a top high school prospect i'm like i can stay a year in college and become a really you know really popular guy or um and be the man on campus or i can go to the ignite team and just make half a million dollars you know and <laughs> playing against different competition you know what I'm saying? Um, that that yeah. actually leads to a big thing I, I wanted to mention. You said, like, become a really popular guy. and Yeah. It, one more time. This is why the NBA needs you. This is why the NBA <laughs> needs you. The biggest issue for, issue for the Ignite team, without a doubt, I, without a doubt, the biggest issue, nowhere near enough publicity. You, you have yes, 19-year-olds right. torching grown men. Yeah. That should be everywhere. The NBA account should be posting about it. The the official G League account should be posting about it. Yes, I agree. I agree 1,000%. It's the biggest issue without a doubt. And, like, I mean, you are mitigating that. They need to get you in on that for real. (laughs) They need to to really give give you all the source material, all the camera angles, all the everything. You you know, that's been the biggest thing is, like, so every G League team has an Instagram page. Mm -hmm. Um whatever reason the night team didn't you know mm-hmm. care about the other yeah. 17 uh can you guys hear me uh yeah you're back okay. you, you cut okay. out for a second and uh there there are 
a ton of people out there that didn't care about the other 17 teams in the bubble this year. They only cared mm. about one team, you know? So yeah. I would have loved to see the G League have uh, an account specifically for Ignite content, you know? Mm. And, you know, of course, show the veterans, but hey, people are going to eat up Jalen Green everywhere. Mm -hmm. People are going to eat up Jonathan Kaminga, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so, yeah, the, the G League itself, I was surprised they didn't have an, a separate page with just Ignite content because I'm telling you, there's there's 20,000 people right now that would follow that in a heartbeat, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I follow then, a page right now with 320 followers that posts once <laughs> a week all the box scores of the games. That's it. That's all they post. Just yeah. I uh, wanted to always have the Ignite guys showing up in my feed. I was like, I right. want to know what, what right. points they got and like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's absolutely. it. <laughs> and, you know, another thing about the G League in terms of, in terms of its own growth, is I would love for the NBA to push it more. Mm -hmm, and yes. I think that, you know, especially over the last few years, we've seen the NBA really take initiative in, po in um, promoting the WNBA, mm -hmm. whether it's wearing those, giving every one of those players the orange hoodie mm -hmm. with the WNBA logo on it, or um, having commercials about it, or having players sit courtside at games, mm -hmm. um, or just having players like mention them in interviews, you know? And you know, with the WNBA, there's been, especially among the male population, I would say, the, the results are mixed, right? There's a ton of people that are like, even if Chris Paul and LeBron and Devin Booker, even if they're promoting it, there's a ton of NBA fans that are gonna say, oh, you know, it's trash, right? Oh, it's, you know, they're not talented. That was a waste <laughs> of time, right? But at the same time, you know, even though the results have been mixed, the biggest thing is that it's being talked about. Yeah, and we don't see that enough from the NBA players in terms of the G League. In, in fact, I don't see it at all. You know, I've um, I was digging through these like different video archives, and I found this one video from 2008 of Kobe saying, you know, the G League showcase is going to be on ESPN or whatever. Tune in, you know. But mm -hmm. it was a scripted. It was something scripted that he just said, right? Yeah. But, you know, I've never heard Kobe or LeBron or whoever talk about the G League in terms of just being like, yeah, there's some really, really, really good talent in the G League that more people need to pay attention to, you know. And so I would love to see the league um, promote it more. And I would love to see the players promote it more. I think that's huge for the growth because – huge for its growth because, you know, like I said before, if LeBron wears the G League hoodie or just mentions it in a couple of interviews – I'm telling you, LeBron has such a big platform that mm -hmm. even if it doesn't, even if these people don't turn into lifelong fans, they'll start at the very least paying attention a little bit more. Oh, because LeBron mentioned it, you know? Oh, because um, uh, James Harden mentioned or KD mentioned it, you know? And so I would love to see that on their end. And I would love to see them at more games. You know, I know sometimes that the uh, the G League arenas aren't really, you know, all that close, close proximity to the NBA arenas, you know? But mm -hmm. I would love to see more players at games sitting courtside and just and just overall promoting it and and i think that would be do wonders for the for the popularity of the league mm -hmm. that you uh, again you touched on something i wanted to talk about a little later a lot of some of these g league team the g league has um a struggle that they have to deal with between right. picking affiliates that are really close to their team like uh like the la lakers have the the south bay lakers it's like a, 20, a 30 minute drive or something like you could do two practices in the same day Right, but then you look at a team like the Boston Celtics, whose affiliate is the Portland Maine Red Claws. Yes, <laughs> and that's a six-hour that's a six-hour drive. That is a yeah. six. That is not a one-day 
thing. Right. You don't get to go to the, to Maine for the day and then come to the Celtics for the night. I was wondering what you if you have any thoughts on that. It on how on if if the if you have thoughts on that, on is it better to have explore new markets with the G League or is it more important that the G League teams are right next to right next to their pro, to their um, NBA affiliates so that they can be called up back and forth faster. Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say this. Um, th- I think there's positives to both ends, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the main Red Claws, they play in Portland, right? And most people don't even know where that is, you know? And so, uh, and you're right. If you're, like I said before, if you're a Celtics player, you can't, you, you like you said, six hours, you can't go to a Red Claws game and then be back for the Celtics game. Or, you know, it would just be so much of a hassle. It's really like a, a whole day trip to go yeah. back and forth. You know, if you're driving and, you know, maybe it's different if you're taking a plane. But um, part of me likes the fact that they're in these small cities mm. in these small towns because, you know, the main Red Claws every year have some of the best attendance rates in the, in the G League. And that's because, you know, there's no other pro basketball around the area. Um, last year, I went to, for the first time, I went to Erie. And Erie was, for me, a seven-hour drive. And wow. so I went... I went to Erie to go watch them play the Erie Bayhawks play. And I, I just did it out of fun because I wanted to see the arena and stuff like that. But Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, no disrespect has nothing there. No, nothing <laughs> there. It's like total, like, um, it's just, well, first off, it was freezing there. Right. Yeah. And when I was in Maryland, it wasn't even really all that cold. I went to Erie and it was absolutely freezing and it was snowing. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. And I was, and it took me so much longer to get there because I had to drive in the snow, you know, and it wasn't snowing <laughs> in Maryland. And so, uh, but I got there and there's nothing in Erie, but the game was packed. And I was like, Oh my God. And so I really do think that these fans from these smaller areas, they'd kind of rally around these teams. Mm-hmm because the, the local NBA team is two or three hours away, you know? And uh, I had a friend that used to work for the Westchester Knicks. And he was, you know, he was telling me that the Westchester Knicks games have good attendance rates because, you know, Westchester from Madison Square Garden is, you know, maybe a couple hours or so. Mm-hmm. And so it's not so easy just to be like, oh, I'm going to go see a Knicks game, right? And so that those are their Knicks, essentially, you know? The Red Claws, those are their Celtics, you know, yeah. and, and then every once in a while they'll see a Celtic if they, you know, if they get a, a sent to the G League or if they're on a two-way or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So part of me does like it in these small areas, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, I actually – there's two G League teams near me. There's the Delaware 87ers, which are the now the Delaware Bluecoats. Mm-hmm. And same thing with them. When I first started going there, the reason why I love the atmosphere so much was because – it was in this small area in Delaware. And um, a lot of the, the local area would just come and they take their young kids. And it was a very, very family friendly environment. You know, the thing, the cool thing is that you could stand outside of a G league locker room and no one would tell you to move, you know? And so I, <laughs> a lot of the pictures I have with the players are like just outside the locker room. Like uh, a couple of years ago when Jerry Stackhouse was coaching the Raptors 905, I stood outside the locker room and I took a picture with, Jerry Sackhouse, you know, and yeah. I waited for him to come out. Awesome. And then, and then a couple of years ago, when the main Red Claws came to town, uh, I waited for Anthony Bennett, and <laughs> Anthony Bennett came outside the locker room. I was like, "I get a picture," and he was like, "Yeah, sure." And uh, you know what I mean? So, um, mm-hmm. I think that the G League they thrive off of, you know, being in these small markets and having these family-friendly environments. 
um, where people can just enjoy a game, you know, and, and I, that's been the G League mold for the past, ever since I've been following at the very least. And I would kind of like it to continue. I wouldn't really want them to move to the big cities where they're kind of overshadowed by the NBA team and, and other sources of entertainment. Yeah. Mm. You brought up the Erie Bayhawks. I, they're a really interesting G League team because they've had like seven different NBA affiliates in the last 13 years yeah. of their existence. Yeah. And even now they're affiliated with the Pelicans, but they're building a new arena that's going to be the biggest arena in the G League at 17,654 seats in Birmingham. Do you know anything that's going on with the Erie Bayhawks? Because the only teams without a G League team left are Phoenix and Denver right now, or Phoenix and uh, the Trailblazers. So are they going to be yeah. just an unaffiliated team or and they're staying around or yeah um i don't know for sure but my guess is that they're going to be unaffiliated and there's you know that would be the first time we've seen it there's actually an unaffiliated team that's coming for next season too mm -hmm. in, in uh, new mexico city yeah oh, sorry, mexico city and so um so they would be the second but yeah i can the the, the g league structure is a little bit weird right now because there are three teams they don't have the Suns said they don't want their G League team. So the Suns yeah. had the Northern Arizona Suns. And mm -hmm. James Jones said, you know, we don't really use it that much. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he was like, we don't really use it that much. And we don't really see it being a big part of our like development system and how we, you know, grow players and stuff like that. And so I think Robert Sarver was like, you know what? I'm paying all this money to have this G League team. And it, it's, you know, I'm not really utilizing it. So why have it? Right. And so we've kind of seen the last of the Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona Suns. And then there's like the Blazers and Nuggets, which don't have a team. You know, I could kind of see um, mm -hmm. maybe one of those teams buying it out, but then it, it'd be so far away, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't really know what the situation is in terms of that. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, why would I buy a team that's like all the way half across the country of where I am, you know? It's probably mm -hmm. cheaper to just and make so, a new team. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't really know what's – the Bayhawks is kind of weird because, yeah, you're right, they've – they've been affiliated with a bunch of different teams and you know, they, they're always like, it's like one year they're here, one year they're there and they always switch management too. Um, mm -hmm. With that being said, they had a really good season this year, but um, yeah, I don't really know what, that's a good question. I don't, I haven't uh, heard anything concrete about what's going to happen with them. That's fair. It's just, it's an interesting team. I was looking at all the different affiliates and just couldn't understand how they had been so many different teams affiliated with the Erie yeah, Bayhawks yeah. in so many seasons. Right. Right. Well, you know, you know, the Bayhawks are, um, a couple of years ago, uh, Malik, you guys, you guys remember Malik Rose? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, Malik Rose was the GM of their team and he won executive of the year. And, and I know Malik, uh, I've known Malik for a couple of years. And mm -hmm. um, and they've had a lot of cool players that came in and out of Erie. Like one of my favorites was, do you remember Terrence Jones? He was on Kentucky a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While back with the Rockets. Yeah. The Rockets, right? Yeah, he was on, he was on Erie. And when, when he was on the Bayhawks, I would watch him all the time. And he was like 20 and 12 a night, you know? Yeah. And then they had uh, – you guys remember Cliff Alexander? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Cliff Alexander played for Kansas, and he was, uh, you know, one of the top high school prospects at one point. He was at, at Erie. So, yeah, they've had some, a lot of cool players come through. But, yeah, the situation with, like, you know, who owns their rights and stuff like that, it's – it's as far as I know, it's kind of up in the air at this point. Mm. That's right. You mentioned also before about uh, getting NBA players more involved and in going to G League games and trying to yeah. promote the league. One of the things that I noticed when researching the G League was that the South Bay Lakers play at the UCLA Health Training Center right. that has a maximum capacity of 750 people at the gym. 
what kind of venue is that for a professional team? And like, if LeBron showed up there, you could fill that gym within 10 seconds. Like people would, you could you could charge a cover fee if LeBron was there, double the ticket price originally. Like Right, right. Yeah, the South Bay Arena, it's, first off, it's really nice though. Mm -hmm. If you watch like the South Bay Lakers game, it's in terms of like just the actual brightness of the arena and then like the colorways. And um, it, it's one of my favorite arenas to watch games at. And then just we were talking about the Erie Bayhawks green is my least favorite because it's super dark, right? And um, But, yeah, it's really small. And from what I've seen watching the games over the years is that even though they don't seat that many people, I always see empty seats in the arena. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe they're thinking, like, when it's time to move and if we get a better, bigger following, maybe we can look at other options. But I think in the, for the time being, they're like, you know what, uh, if we get – 750 fans is probably a really good night, you know, <laughs> and That's... up until then. But I was thinking, like, if they were to have gotten, like, a Leangelo ball or something like that, I can guarantee you that more than 750 people would want to come to that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or, In UCLA. Like... Yeah, right, right. So I wonder where they would move it to if that was the case, you know? I mean, like, just – Maybe they could just use the, the actual UCLA basketball <laughs> yeah. courts. Right, right. And, and you know, it's, it's every once in a while the NBA, uh, the G League teams – would have a game or two in the actual arenas. Um, but I would say this, it, it didn't look good because it be, it's cool for the players to play on the NBA arena. Mm -hmm. But if you're a fan watching, you're looking at the gigantic, uh, gigantic arena. And remember, if, if the South Bay gym can only fit 750 people, if there's 300 people there, it sort of looks a little packed, right? Mm -hmm. and it's half full, you know? But yeah. if you get 300 people in an arena that fits 20,000, it almost looks like there's five <laughs> people there, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I, was, I was like, you know what? Maybe that's smart. Maybe that's smart to keep the arena small, you know? Because mm -hmm. you don't want to look at the, you know, to, to, to have it on TV. And then it's someone says, wow, there's five people there. Even though there's 300 in the arena with that suits 20,000, 300 people looks like, really it's just a handful of guys right mm -hmm. and so for production purposes um in terms of like tv and then also for cost purposes like you don't want to have to pay to rent out the big arenas if you know only a small amount of people are going mm -hmm. uh, all right I, I think this leads into my my uh my last big question sure again about the ignite just because everyone loves talking about the ignite do you think that this experiment was a success? Do you think the G League Ignite experiment was a success? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it was, I think it was a big success because, well, they started off the season uh, with a 4-0. And yeah, then yeah. and everyone was like, oh, my God, 4-0. Like, this team is rolling right now. And, you know, just like any other team, basketball is a game of ups and downs. Like, you saw, we saw it with the Bluecoats this year where they started 7-0 and then they lost four straight. And then, you know, they were – at one point, like the sixth seed after being the number one seed. And, and then, you know, they got together at the end of the season, made the championship game. So basketball is just a seed, you know, or just a game of ups and downs and you have to filter through all that stuff. But to me, it was just a success because like I said before, there were just so much uncertainty of how they were going to do, you know? And I think if I was someone in the G league who was on board and getting this ignite team together, my whole thing was like, are they going to bomb, you know? And they did ex the exact opposite. Uh, they went eight and seven. They made the playoffs. If Kaminga had gone down, they would have been better than eight and seven, you know? 
because he missed like mm. the last six games, five, six games or so. Yeah, something so like that. if he hadn't gone down, you're thinking of, then maybe they win 10 games. Yeah. Right. And so 10 games in the 15 game season, it's like, yeah, 66%. That's pretty successful. And um, so from that perspective, the from a winning perspective, it was a success. I think in terms of like the growth perspective and how they were able to attract more people to the G league, major success. And, mm-hmm. and as I previously said, they should have done a better job of putting the ignite team out there. And I know that they did, they did a lot of promotion on the actual G league page, you know, but I would have loved to see um, their own Instagram page, right. Where it's all ignite guys, because like mm-hmm. I said, tons of people don't care about the Lakeland magic. Tons of people don't care about, um, the Agua Caliente Clippers, you know? And so they just want to see Jalen Green. You know, unfortunately, they, you know, they only want to see Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. Yeah. And so they should have done a better job in terms of exposing them that way. But it's only year one, and I, I assume that, you know, they're going to learn from maybe things they didn't do and then um, build that into their second year and, you know, years moving forward. But, yeah, I think it's – it's if I'm a high school prospect also looking at this, you know, I'm looking at it as, like, the veterans – we're great having Jared Jack, having Amir Johnson, having even like other G League vets like Cody Dems and um, uh, Reggie Hearn. You know those mm-hmm. are two like you know really respected guys in the G League. And then there's like Bobby Brown as well. Um, having those guys and everything that I've heard was that from the players' perspective, whether it was Green or Kaminga or Todd, is that those guys were actually a big help and they were like their older brothers in a way. Mm. You know. And so if I'm a prospect, I'm really thinking to myself this is legitimate you know i think that the whole thing was that they wanted to prove that they were legitimate in their first year you know and and they i think they did that to the highest extent they had a winning record i thought the coaching was really good they displayed the young the young talents who were on display were able to shine in a lot of senses you know Mm -hmm. and um you know if i'm a prospect like i said i'm thinking this could actually be a route for me I'd rather make $500,000 and be the coolest kid on the UCLA campus, you know? I'd rather make $500,000 and, and play on national TV almost every game than be the coolest kid at the University of Florida. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. you know, I And you're definitely surprised. not getting paid that money if you go to college. No way, shape, or form. You don't get any money if you go to right. college. Not at all. Right. And you, zero dollars. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's always those talks about people getting money under the table, you know? But if you get the money under the table, you got to worry every single moment that – you know, that the FBI is going to show up at your door and be like, that would be horrible. Like I would, I couldn't sleep at night knowing that um, the IRS or not the IRS, but the FBI might know that I took a hundred thousand dollars under the table from a booster, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'd rather just make $500,000 if I'm one of the top prospects, make it legally, you know, um, be 19 years old and have half a million dollars. And, um, and at the same time, you know, they're afforded options. Like they can go to college. They can take college classes if they want. I don't mm-hmm. even know if they'd want to, you know, but it's an option. So it does show that the G League does care about them from a well-rounded perspective. Um, and then as an athlete, I think you want to know that the people that you're working for care about you as more than just an athlete and what you're going to produce for them on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of my first, like one of my true judgments of the G League Ignite is going to be watching these guys next year in the NBA and seeing – because I think one of the best things of this is watching all these young guys get the mistakes out of their game and adjust to more NBA size and speed before they even get to the league. You know, like one of my favorite parts, basically, of all four of these guys is just being able to watch them learn how to go through their progressions in the game and read the game and understand basketball at a high level much better than I think you do in college. Just because college, there's 
almost more of an emphasis on winning that season and not necessarily development of you and your career path. Whereas the G right. League Ignite, like, of course they want to win, but these kids know and the coaches know that they're here to go to the next level. So for them to learn and be able to have the ball in their hands playing against professional guys, like, I think we're really going to see them be good earlier in their NBA careers and it's going to show and help blow up the NBA G League Ignite program because these yeah. guys, all of them, I think are going to be really good NBA players very quickly. Like they all have the tools to be able to do it and have less adjustments to make than everyone else coming out of college. Like, I think so too. And one point that I didn't talk about too much is like being in college and I worked for the UMBC team. And of course the UMBC team is not like, playing at Kentucky or anything like that, you know, but there are still outside distractions, you know, whether you go to, when you go to campus and, you know, if it's mm -hmm. a normal year, you have the parties and you have the girls and stuff like that, you know, having these guys in the bubble and now not every year is going to be in the bubble, but having mm -hmm. Kaminga and green and Todd and Nick's in the bubble where it was just basketball 24 seven. And then if they weren't doing anything basketball related, they were just simply in their rooms, you know, mm -hmm. I kind of think that was a good thing for them. You know, they, they could just take this year and focus solely on the game that's going to make them millions of dollars in a few years, you know, or in, by next year, you know. Yeah. And so from that perspective, you have these guys that um, are certainly going to be in the NBA, but you're just preparing them much more and giving them, um, you know, saying, okay, you know, I know you don't, um, you're not going to be able to party. You're not going to be able to, you know, be the star on campus, but you sacrifice that and you spend this entire year just so focus solely on your game, right? Mm -hmm. By the time the draft comes around, you're going to be maybe twice as ready as you would if you had gone to college. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. part of me thinks that was a good thing for them, to tell you the truth, because uh, when you're young and you're, imp you're impressionable, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the most humble kid in the world. If, if when you're the, the star of Kentucky or the star of Duke, there's just going to be pressures that you're going to give into, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and for as far as I can tell, I don't think that they had, those same pressures and they could just fo solely focus on the game that's going to make them rich. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm really excited to see how this goes in the draft. I think that's going to be the official make or break for these guys is if all four of them get drafted, I think, I mean, I think if all four get drafted, they need to make a second ignite team. They need to get a second yeah. ignite team, have two teams going, let the, let the top, you know, split the top guys so that they can play against each other. I think that this has right. been, mm -hmm. I think if they get all four guys drafted, they really need to look at expanding this program to such a bigger level. I would love to see that. I would love to. See, I think in the future we could see multiple Ignite teams, you know, mm -hmm. because um, where you have probably the same structure where it's not only just young guys, but it's a mixture of the young guys and the veterans. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But one thing I was thinking about too is, you know, you take a guy like Principal Singh, who was the uh, he was the Indian um, center mm -hmm. on the Ignite team, and he didn't play very much this year, or he, he barely played at all. He only had three buckets all year, but he's a guy that's looking to become the second NBA player from India, mm -hmm. or the second second uh, Indian player player Indian descent in the NBA. The first was Simbular, yeah, uh, who played for the Sacramento Kings mm -hmm. a few years ago. He was the seven five guy. And then the other one was then there's another guy named Satnam Singh. Oh, who, we know about Satnam Singh. I, <laughs> IMG Academy alum. Yes, Satnam Singh. Yeah. But the thing about Satnam is that he never actually played in the league. That's why I only said there's one other NBA player. He was drafted by the Mavericks, mm -hmm. but he never actually played for the Mavericks. And he was in the G League for the Texas Legends. But so yeah. principal, his his whole goal this year was to become the second NBA player to appear in the NBA game. You know. Um, yeah. And he didn't really play that much this year. So I'm really curious to see 
what happens to a guy like him? Like, is he eligible to return to the Ignite team for a second year? You know, because mm-hmm. no one's forcing him to go to the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He's 20 years old. He could say, like, yeah, I didn't really get an opportunity to shine this year. If I had to guess, um, he was the, the forgotten man. They, we talk about the big four. But he yeah. was the forgotten man on that Ignite team that had also, also had NBA aspirations, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what happens to a guy like him or moving – you know, forward in the future, what happens to other guys who um, maybe were highly recruited out of high school? Mm-hmm. They're the five-star recruits. They're the McDonald's All-Americans. But they go to the Ignite team, and they don't show out the way that they would have hoped, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe any draft stock that they could have had leading into the Ignite season, they maybe they, maybe they lose that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're not on any draft boards, and they're thinking to themselves, I enter the draft this year. I'm not going to be selected. You know, what happens to guys like that? So, you know, there, there's a lot of questions, I think, too. Thankfully for the Ignite team this year, all four played well. All four mm-hmm. of the big, the big, those big players played well. Yeah. But, you know, what's going to happen to Singh? You know, what's going to Singh, what's he, gonna happen to Kai Soto also? Another yeah, what's happening to Kai Soto? Been... And I was disappointed not to see Kai, Kai Soto because, um, long story short, I actually, uh, was an assistant coach one year at a prep school and mm. and we had a player who was seven foot three his name is jordan wilmore and jordan and kai soto at um at the skills factory last year were like the two-headed monsters down low because kai soto seven three mm-hmm. and then jordan wilmore seven three as well and uh and i was the assistant when jordan was a sophomore so he wasn't as developed as he is now but you know, I watched a ton of their games, and I was like, you know, Kai, he's such an intriguing prospect because he has, you know, a lot of ways he was like Pau Gasol where he has a great footwork, and he, he you know, he can play with his back to the basket. He's good at face up. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's really skinny, you know, and he's not very – doesn't look very strong, and, uh, you know, it doesn't look like he's been in the weight room at all. And so <laughs> is he going to – even with his height, is he going to get bullied around by maybe these shorter but stockier G League big men who are significantly more physical but maybe not as skilled, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wish we could have seen that, but he went to go play for the Filipino national team. But yeah, I'm, I'm, there's, I think there's still a lot of questions about what's going to happen to guys who don't perform. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, if you do perform, you got nothing to worry about. But yeah, I'm worried about what's going to happen to them. The, the the guy that was the big star recruit and then didn't really pan out. You know, what what is next for him? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that's a question that thank well, they'll have to answer answer with uh, Principal Singh. But I think that they they. Uh... I imagine that they had a plan. I hope they had a plan. Whatever mm-hmm. it is. I mean, we'll yeah. see that in the coming months. We'll see that in the in the next season. In the future years. All in all, Jeff, this has been an, it's been an absolute pleasure having you, man. This has yeah. been great. This has been I appreciate awesome. you guys so much. Please tell the world where they can find your work. Plug everything you want to plug. Please go ahead. Yeah, yeah you can follow uh, my account, G League TV. So just G League TV, no hyphens or anything like that. And, you know, give us a follow, drop some likes. And then my personal page is Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, Sosa, S-O-S-A 300. And so you can follow me on both and I'll follow you back. Awesome. Uh, we will be posting a link to both of uh, both of his pages when we post this interview mm-hmm. and probably every uh, every video we post from it. So if you don't want to if you don't want to remember those, there will be tags. Do not worry. You will be able to find him and all of his amazing work. <laughs> Jeff, thanks again mm-hmm. for coming out, my man. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it, fellas. Thanks, yes. To all Hold the listeners, yeah. please keep liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, all that, downloading. And for now, this has been Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. It's Ball Talk. 
It's Raw Talk, baby. 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 Baby.